My name is Tony Litt. I'm the MD of Sunrise Radio, and it's my immense pleasure to bring you the official Sunrise Radio podcast. We are the number one commercial Asian station in the United Kingdom, with many firsts to our name, and we continue to be the voice of British Asians who have given us their love and loyalty over 30 years. It's a legacy we cherish and a responsibility that we don't take lightly. Our aim has always been to entertain the listeners with the best of Bollywood and Bangra while also addressing their concerns. A real voice for the community, a vibrant community and a great nation. We are proud to be British and Asian. This podcast is a compilation of some of the things we do on the station with a stellar lineup of presenters who each have their own personality and style. It's entertaining, informative, engaging, and we hope you will enjoy it here as a podcast if you are unable to tune in to the radio. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your family and friends about this podcast and do leave us a comment on what you think. We'd love to hear from you. All the best always. Team Sunrise. Anushka Aurora, as always, lovely to have your company for the Sunrise Radio podcast. And this week, I have another special guest on the show. Hi, Adeline. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm. Uh, I'm literally. Um, I've just come back, and I've been doing interviews or interviews. I'm really grateful for that. I know. And, uh, I've, I've heard you really busy. Um, but I think first things first, congratulations um, on being Thank the runner-up. You really, really made us proud. We've been waving the India flag for you nice and high and feeling, feeling uh, really, really proud You know that you, you made it so far in the contest. So well done. Congratulations. Tell me how you're feeling now that you've had a few days to recover. Uh, well, I've not had the, uh, any days to recover. I'm still with my bag still unpacked. <laughs> but I, I really like that because um, I remember when everything was done because you were preparing for three years and suddenly it's over one night, you know, and then you're stuck and you're like, wow, was this everything? And that was the feeling that I had. But when I came down and when I spoke to my parents and everybody around, they, they were so, uh, they, they were overwhelmed by the kind of response and people really reaching out. I think our country really wanted something like this. Of course. You know, and, uh, yeah. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, no, no, that's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> so, you know, they, they, uh, uh, they welcomed me with the sweetest and the kindest gestures and I cannot be more thankful. I think they've done much more for me than I could ever do for them. Absolutely. And of course, you know, India is going through a really, really tough time at the moment. Um, so I think you've brought that angle of happiness and positivity uh, back into the country. So I think, you know, everyone is really, really grateful for you. But um, I believe um, you, in fact, uh, at one point tested positive for COVID as well. So uh, just tell me, like, how you got through all of it and, you know, your emotions. Um. I even get goosebumps every time that I think about that situation because there was a lockdown and we couldn't get a lot of things done and I tested positive. So that meant that I couldn't meet my team members for the next two weeks. And uh, at that time, you know, I, I realized isolation, the kind of isolation that COVID patients go through is so difficult. Mm. Um, I learned how difficult it is. And, you know, for, I couldn't even stand that. I was really 
it was emotionally very painful for me to go through that uh, time and even prepare because I had a lot to still prepare. So I was preparing, trying to build myself emotionally. But that time was really, that brought in a lot of humility mm-hmm. and humanness into my preparation. You know, because sometimes when you're preparing for a beauty contest, what really happens is that you, it tends to become all about you suddenly. Yeah. You know, it's about your hair and your makeup and your styling and your gown and what you're going to wear and what you're going to say that, you know, the essence of why you're there gets lost. So yeah. I think it was God's way to remind me my essence and my, uh, my place there at the pageant. It had a lot of meaning and it brought a lot of meaning up for me to even like push through despite all the problems. Mm-hmm. I think that was, you know, that was that turning point and to think about my people that, I should be doing this for them. This is the least that I can do um, compared to what's happening in my country. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, now, let's take you back to, you know, the initial days of your training. And, and, and actually, the question is, um, I think first and foremost, is did, was this always your dream? Did you always want to enter uh, this beauty pageant and then, you know, go on uh, to be Miss India, Miss Universe? Uh, not at all. <laughs> I, I never even imagined myself in this space because I felt um, very honestly that I'm not good enough. I was made to feel uh, that, you know, it's maybe my skin. I had a lot of marks on my body and um, I couldn't speak well because I had a lisp. Mm. Uh, so I would always, um, you know, stop when I'm speaking because it was so hard to pronounce a lot of words for me. Um, but life took such a different turn when I decided that this is what I want to do and I wanted to really represent myself there. And um, girls who really don't feel like they're in the right place, um, I wanted to do that for them and for myself, especially for myself. And things changed and because I had such an amazing friend as a roommate uh, who kept pushing me even through the odds and trying to, you know, she kept, she believed in me more than I could believe in myself. So she kept pushing me ahead and gave gave me this chance of, you know, just being there as a support system in Bombay when I had absolutely no one. I came here when I was 15 with no idea what I was going to do, where I was going to stay. I remember spending one night, um, you know, on, on the sides of Marine Drive because uh, I had no house to go to. I was very young and I couldn't find a place for myself. I did a terrible job finding a place for myself. Um, So from there, from having absolutely no one to today having so many people just there to support and to send a lot of love and care, it means a lot. And then it just shows. And I I wish every other girl that, you know, looks at this and sees this video just believes in the strength of her dreams because, you know, it, I've seen miracles. Yeah. So I don't doubt that there are more to come in my life and I'm just going to be humble and um, be open to accepting them. Of course. Wow. I mean, that's unbelievable. Like you had no home um, and, you know, spending a night like that on Marine Drive. And I mean, and now look at you where you are. That is that is a, a story and that is like history uh, that has been made. So, you know, we, we see all the hard work and, and hard work pays off, as they say. And I think you're, you're, you're a great example uh, of that, um, which is so lovely. But uh, tell me about that moment um, where you won the Miss Diva, um, that crowning moment. How was that for you? Um, that was, you know, because when I went on the Miss Diva stage, my... 
objective was to represent my grandmother and to you know talk about her stories and talk about the female farmers of india so i've done my job so i i am this person i give my 100% and i accept what is given to me mm. i don't question it i don't regret anything i just move ahead because i i i know the importance of an opportunity so i don't complain i just move ahead and that's what happened in diva and at that moment i thought all my problems all my struggles are over and now i get to do what i really want to do so i get crowned and a month later we get into a lockdown oh god <laughs> no but i think that's how life teaches you know yeah. because um, i was like you know i'm struggling i'm struggling i need to i want to do this and i want to do that project and i know that it's going to get better for me i'll be able to uh for me getting that financial stable stability was very important mm-hmm. and i thought that it's going to come now and then after when it got delayed because of the lockdown and you know i had to really work very hard to get to places then after I, it really made me value every opportunity that came my way i did not underestimate any even the slightest of it um so when i was at the miss uh, universe platform i said okay, you know this is the time everything that i went through was for a reason god showed me this kind of life for a reason and i'm just going to be me i have nothing to put on for the world i'm just going to show who i am where i come from the people of my place they are very humble they know the importance of you know opportunity they know the importance of being given a chance and being given the platform and that's what i delivered that night nothing oh, but just oh my god honestly that is really one thing after another but like you said i think this pandemic has really taught us uh, the value of almost everything uh from the smallest of things but these beauty pageants they they're quite intense in their training you know um how was that for you like was it really really intense for you i mean how does it all work i think it gets very intense because your schedules are really tight and you know you're you're supposed to be a perfection mm just in everything which is really impossible and uh, then you have to face criticism and you need to know how to face those criticism so it's it's physically very demanding and mentally also you know to a certain extent uh well i've been somebody who had you know i keep uh, a check on my mental space and i get up early just to meditate just to give that time to myself so that has really saved me from the stress because now we also were in a lockdown there were so many things that were not accessible to me and i had to do it on my own and try to learn how to figure things out myself so i feel that this journey has been splendid it's taught me so many things that i've not even learned in 20 years of my life i've competed like a crash course in one <laughs> uh, i'm really grateful yeah exactly i'm really grateful and has shown me that i i have that capability i have the courage to move past this uh, whatever came my way mm. i remember um, at every point there was a disappointment um for example like you know because of the lockdown we were not able to complete my gown Mm-hmm. and that's your evening gown that you have and there were countries that came up with four gowns and three gowns uh, you know as a uh, like a backup yeah. but i didn't even have one at the end of it you know i i got one when i was just traveling when i was just leaving the country uh, just hours before that and I, i that was the first time i walked in it and i was like oh god i'm not able to do that wow so uh, at that moment it you know when you prepare for a year when something like this suddenly happens in the end moment and you're not able to justify what happened uh, you tend to get disappointed but i i told myself that you know i came you know so far not to just come this far i need to go beyond this exactly so just kept my ears closed and just kept 
you know, because you you tend to think negative. So I started just yeah. focusing on the goal, what it meant for me, what it meant for my country. I started visualizing and just went forward. I, even on the night of the, like a lot of people ask me, do you regret going so close to the crown and not actually winning it? I remember what Lara Ma'am told me. She told me that, you know, giving it your best is in your hands. But what happens is not in your hands. And I promised myself before I left that no matter what happens, I want to return as a, I went as a winner and I want to return as a winner. So when I came at the airport, I did not, um, held the flag high like a winner because, you know, through it all, we were victorious. And it doesn't, not everybody's going to get a crown in a sash. And you don't really need a crown in a sash to do the work that you do. Mm-hmm. All our role models, they don't wear a crown in a sash all the time. So I think yeah. for and, me that was important. And can I just say, you are a winner for us. You are our real winner. <laughs> Thank you. Excuse me. Now, what would you say is the most memorable moment of all these years of that intense training, the hardships that you face, the challenges that you've come through? You know, you said you've gone from, you know, thinking negative and being really positive, your meditation. What's that one thing, if you could pick out, that has been really memorable for you? What would you say it's been? Uh, this is something I cannot explain. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to explain what the feeling is. Um, it's, it's this feeling inside of you. Even if you know things go wrong, there's something that picks you up and tells you to move ahead. And I, I witnessed it. I don't think I can ever do all of this again because it took a lot from me. Mm. Um, but there was something that was guiding me, that was pushing me every time um, in the most unforeseeable circumstances. So I'm really glad and I'm thankful for that force that really helped me get through this and obviously my parents that are in Kuwait uh, I didn't I never got a chance to be with them physically oh. for so long and I, I really wish I could mm. um, be with them and you know kind of share this journey with them but regardless they have been a big support system very understanding to my moods and my uh, whatever I was going through yeah. I'm really great and I had a I had a friend the one that pushed me so far her name is Priyanka but and she really helped me with my hand every step of the way every disappointment she really gave me that push no it's not the end look at the bright side yeah yeah. And I feel so like I think I'm blessed to have that support system. Yeah, yeah. You need someone like that, especially um not not I think just through a beauty pageant, but during this pandemic as well. You need that one person who is actually gonna hold your hand and say, you know what, it's okay, everything will be fine, we will get through this. Um, so that's lovely to know that Priyanka, uh, was that person for you. Um, now what, what are your plans, uh, now, now that you're back in India in terms of work, what is it that you would like to do going further? So I've, I've been in the, um, entertainment space in terms of being a model and working in, you know, uh, in digital ads and commercials and all that. So I, it's very natural for me to continue in this space and try to make it big at the same time, because of what this platform is giving to me, like what the kind of confidence that it's instilled in me. So I want to use that to build a business of my own, to get into the agricultural sector. Because it's, It looks like a big plan. It's, it's quite ambitious, but I think I can achieve it now. Looking at whatever I've, you know, the kind of people I've met and what I've learned from them, I'm sure that I can do this on my own. Mm. And But for right now, I'm focusing on really being connected to my community here mm-hmm. and to be able to reach out to them using this platform and, whatever small way possible and just being with them just for these couple of days. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been um, a year of really 
hustling, really kind of getting everything together. I really want this time for myself and to be able to do the things that I love. And I love connecting with people. I love connect, talking to people around and that's what I'm going to do. Oh, that's so, so lovely. And in terms of like, if you were to get any movie offers, would you be interested in, in doing that going forward? Absolutely. Yay. Why not? <laughs> I would love to do anything. Characters, I just wish, um, you know, I have that opportunity to portray somebody that who's been kind of like avoided by society, like LGBTQ communities in India, you know, their stories and people and wow. uh, societies that have been ignored in us, in our country, whether it's the Northeast or some, all of these, I would love to be involved in these stories, uh, not only on screen, maybe off screen also to do something about it. It's very inspiring. It's very um, motivating for me to do. Well, you are inspiring. You are a huge motivation uh, to so many people out there, Adeline. Thank you so much. And before I do let you go, um, if you would like to give a message to your fans uh, around the world who are going to be watching this. I'm very grateful um, to you guys for giving me... The, uh, am I looking at the screen? Yeah. Yes, you are. This, this okay. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm very grateful to all of you for giving the kind of love and appreciation that you have given me. Uh, sometimes I do think about whether, uh, you know, um, I've done enough to make you guys proud. But I, one thing is that I know that I have a lot of love for my country and I, I will continue to push and do much more than I can for you guys. And I feel for every girl out there uh, who feels like she's not good enough and feels like a complete loser sometimes. Um, Please don't listen to other people's opinions about you. Trust me, when you start listening to the voice that is inside your life changes. And my life is the testimony for it. So every time you feel like you just can't get through it and you don't think you can't believe in yourself or have confidence in who you are, um, I just encourage you to see mine and how imperfect my journey has been. It's not, it's not been perfect. And I hope that um, a lot of Miss Universes in the future are watching me right now. I want to tell you that you don't need a crown or a sash to do the things that we do. You are very important and so is your work. Don't let people judge you because of your looks, but tell them that your worth comes from your work and the value that you bring to the table. How beautiful. That is so, so lovely. So inspiring, Adeline. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Okay. And honestly, we can't wait to have you in London. We really, really can't wait to have you here. So hopefully that's going to be soon. <laughs> I wish crossed. the same. And I hope everything's fine in London in terms of the COVID yes. cases. Yes, it's much better. Um, it's getting really good touch wood. Yeah. So things are starting to uh, open up, which is really nice here and, and feel some form of normality. Uh, but I pray for India that it gets better really, really soon and it really heals quickly. It will get better. But I mean, I'm, I'm very confident looking at the way the people are really coping up with what's happening. I think it's going to get better soon for sure. Fingers crossed. Adeline, thank, thank you, you so much. Time. Take thank care. You. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Listen to our Bollywood queen, Anushka Aurora, from 12 noon to 4 p.m. weekdays on Sunrise. The Bhangra Showdown with Amit Chana. It gives me great pleasure to be joined, I believe, in LA right now. I might be wrong. The singer, songwriter and dancer, in fact, Dixie. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Am I right in saying that you're in LA? Yes, you're correct. Okay, so what time is it in LA right now? 
It is 9.17 a.m. A.m. So I got you out of bed, basically, on a Saturday morning. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I basically woke up to be on the show. You woke up to be on the radio. It's a good, it's a great way to start the day. Let's face it, right? True. Now, L.A. is one of my favorite places in the world. I was fortunate enough to live out there for a little while while I went to film school. And I know how beautiful oh. it can be uh, around about this time of the year. So tell me you've got some sunshine, at least, because we haven't. Yes, it's beautiful right now, and I live right on the beach. So uh, all right, okay, enough now, enough. Happen. Now you're making it worse. I didn't ask you to make it <laughs> worse, sorry. just asked me to tell you I had some sunshine. Uh, Dixie, congratulations <laughs> on your brand new single. It is a great tune. Hey, thanks so much. I'm glad you like it. It is such a great vibe. It's got that kind of dance, feel-good kind of vibe. You're working alongside two of the young, you know, kind of most talented young boys from out of that part of the world as well, originally from Chicago, Twin Beats, of course. How did that come yeah. about? How did the collaboration come about? Um, so Twin Beats and I, we have worked on a few songs actually in the past. Right. So they, they came across my, my Instagram profile, I think, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, they had reached out to me because they wanted me to be a female collab on one of their songs that they were working on at the time. And then since then, you know, we just kind of became really good friends. And, you know, over the last year, they've really been great mentors to me. You know, they've kind of been trying to, um, because they've been in the game a little bit longer than I have. Mm. So they've been kind of guiding me and, you know, helping me out. And we've just become such great friends as, you know, I think we were just like, let's do something else. And, they, they were coming out to L.A. to shoot a couple of their other videos, so they were like, well, we're coming out there, so why don't we just come up with the songs while we're out there? And they were crossing at my place, so they are like, we can just shoot the video and everything while we're there. And so this project actually was so... Um, the turnaround time was really quick. Like, they came here... The day before they came here, they, they came up with the, the lyrics and the beat and stuff, and then that was it, you know? And then, we, then we, they, when they got here, we just shot the video, and it was... It was a very quick process. It was really cool. And that's always a good thing, though, isn't it? Because it means that it works. You know, if you're desperately trying to work on something and it's not quite happening, it takes weeks and months. Maybe it's not quite right. But the fact that something happens so smoothly and swiftly means that there's a positive right. energy, right? Yeah, and it was very, yeah, it was very natural and it was very easy and it was a lot of fun, so... It was, sounds like you had fun uh, making it, but it also looks like you had fun shooting the video. Tell us a little bit about that, because these boys are based in California as well now, right? Well, so they are not here yet. They are actually moving here, though, pretty soon, I think. Right. They're trying to make that transition. They just have been kind of stuck because of COVID. Yeah. But they will be out here soon. But, yeah, so they, you know, they came down. They wanted to shoot some of their videos, and then they had some gigs out here. So, um, for the music video, it's, you know, if you listen to the song, it kind of has that 80s, 90s funk yeah. type beat. And so, for the video, you know, I thought it would be really cool to kind of do like a <laughs> blast on the past type thing and, you know, bring back what was in in the 90s and, you know, like the scrunchies and the butterfly clips yeah. and the uh, overalls and all that stuff. And so I thought it'd be really cool to kind of just incorporate all those 90s things that made those times so great. And for me, it was fun because, it, you know, I kind of felt like I got to be a kid again because that was my childhood, you know, so... Um, that and then you know I don't know one day I just thought of the roller skates and I was like wait that'd be really cool to just incorporate roller skating in the music right now. so we threw that in there as well but this but is it right because so I mean the globe has been in amongst of a pandemic of course we all know that every part of the world has been hit by this kind of invisible virus as it were but it must have been so right. nice I'm guessing after at least a year of sitting still even for you guys I know it's been like that for us here to be able to get up and make a track and shoot a video 
Yeah, it was pretty liberating, too. I mean, because it was really easy to do and very safe. Like, you know, we just found a peer space and, like, made sure that we all were wearing masks and whatever. And we, we were able to do it. And, there, you know, there's only three of us, so it was fine. We all I was already vaccinated, I think, at that time. And, mm-hmm. and the, both of them had gotten tested, at least. So it was a very safe process, and it was, it was just so much fun. Like, it was so much fun. <laughs> It looked like you had loads of fun as well. And actually, you mentioned the kind of genre feel of it, the 80s, 90s. There's a slight disco feel to it as well. How did the vibe of the track come about? I know you said you sat down and kind of banged it out lyrically quite easily. But what 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 dictates the genre of the song when you're producing a track? I think it just depends. Like, I think it's like, for me, or maybe even for them, but it's kind of like what's like what's kind of in or, or something that you might hear that you're like, wait, I really like the vibe of that song. I kind of want to do something like that. So I think we have heard, I don't know if it was them or me, but one of us had heard a song that kind of had that funk yeah. vibe. And, I, and, and you know, none. I guess I hadn't done that. They, I mm. think, were trying to do some, some of that old school stuff with some of the other songs. So they were kind of already riding on that wave. But for me, I had never done anything that was really, you know, funky or like old school like that. So. Yeah. I think for me, you know, it was cool because they kind of introduced that idea to me and I was like, oh yeah, I'm down. Like, that'd be really cool. Initially, it was tough because I was like, this is such a different vibe. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 a, it's hard. It's actually harder to come up with something basic to that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we were able to pull it off and, and I think, and, um, you know, they, 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 even they came up with the beat so well. Like, that was a hard beat for them to create and yeah. they pulled it off really well. So... If you're just tuned in, uh, you're listening to the Pokemon Show down here on Sunrise with me, Amit Chan. I'm in conversation with the very talented and the lovely Dixie, all the way from Los Angeles in the USA. She's got a brand new single out with DJ Twin Beats, of course, the brothers from Chicago. I'm going to be playing it in just a little while, but actually you almost touched on what I wanted to, to mention there. It's, it's a strange thing, isn't it? When, like for you, when, when the music that I've seen you and heard you release over the last couple of years, you are kind of multi-genre. Not one song has a similar sound to the other how was it for you to kind of sit on a Punjabi influence song I mean forget the the genre of the music but there is a Punjabi feel to this track yeah so I I mean I love Punjabi music so mm-hmm. I think for me it was only a matter of time before I started tapping more into uh, you know like the Punjabi flavor Punjabi culture type song um, so this was great like I think this is a good introduction for me into that and I have actually worked on a few others that will also be Punjabi, and and I think now it's also it's great because they were like, you know what, you you can actually pull off the Punjabi pretty well. Like you know, your pronunciation's pretty good, and mm-hmm. and so if you want to go in that direction, you're able to do it. And so I think I think I'm going to try to do a few more. I'm, I you know I've already been working on some more that are Punjabi, purely Punjabi. So um, so I'm excited. I, I I love the culture. I love I love the style of Punjabi songs too. So. I'm excited. And you sound very comfortable doing it as well. I look forward to hearing the other ones. Dixie, d- just give me a little introduction into your world of music. How do you introduce to music and what made you want to become a singer-songwriter? For me, to be honest, it started out just a hobby and I really didn't know that it was going to turn into something more. But honestly, you know, opportunities were just coming my way the more I was putting myself out there. And, you know, I've always enjoyed music since, I was a baby, you know, I used to play the piano as a kid by ear, and then I was a dancer since the age of four, so Mm -hmm. I think music has always been a very big part of me, and the singing just kind of naturally came along with it, and, and, you know, over the years, I've just been doing covers and performing at events and whatnot, and now here I am, you know, releasing my own original music, so it's been great. 
It has been great. It's been an interesting uh, kind of journey to to watch you kind of um, kind of discover yourself as a musician. Actually, like I said, you know, I've heard a, a bunch of previous releases, and of course, uh, media moguls who look after you here in the UK. You know, they always send me your new stuff, and this is quite a, a different uh, uh, journey for you. Like I said, with the Punjabi influence. But what's to come then, Dixie? Are you going to continue to kind of, as you've said, you've got a few more Punjabi influence tracks, but predominantly you sing in English. Is there more of that to come as well? I think I have. I mean, most of my stuff thus far has been kind of, you know, fusion-y. It's been like Hindi and, yeah. and English and not very much Punjabi. But I think, you know, I'm trying to do everything. I, I don't want to stick to one genre. And I think because I'm able to do all these different different genres, I want to continue to do that. So I will have, you know, I, I have another one with Hindi Sexy coming out um, probably at the end of the summer. Um, that one will be more of like a Bollywood EDM type, which right. is also very different, but it will have that Bollywood Hindi. And then I have another one that will be, um, another one or two that will be Punjabi purely. And then another one that will be more Desi. So most of my stuff is going to be more Punjabi or Hindi moving forward. Okay, great. Well, we look forward to it. It's very exciting uh, for me to play this track because when I heard it, I was like, wow, I'm I'm literally, when I heard it, I was like, there is a vibe on this track and I have to get you on the show to talk about the track and play it as well. Dixie, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Hopefully one day our paths will cross uh, in a studio and we can have a proper chat and a sit down if ever you make it to UK and this pandemic ever is behind us. I yes. look forward to having you in the studio. <laughs> yes, for sure. Thanks so much for having me. It's absolutely my pleasure. Good luck with everything. Send our love to the Twin Beats boys as well. We play a lot of their stuff here on the show and uh, good for luck sure. with everything. It's been a, a joy to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you and likewise. Join the Meet Channel every Saturday from 4pm for the Bungwa Showdown playing you the finest in Punjabi and Bungwa music from the past, present and future. This is Anila Dami on Sunday. I'm now joined by Vaccines Minister Nadeem Zahawi. Good morning, Minister Zahawi. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So new data is showing that the AstraZeneca and Pfizer vaccines work against the variant from India, which is good news. Does it look likely then that the roadmap out of lockdown will go ahead next month? It is good news, Anila. It's great to get the data from the scientists at uh, Portland Down, the Public Health England scientists, uh, and it does demonstrate that both the Pfizer and the AstraZeneca vaccine are effective against the B1617.2 variant, which uh, originally was uh, identified in India, uh, after the second dose. So my message to all your listeners today is please make sure when you get the invitation to come forward because we're bringing forward second doses to an eight-week interval rather than 12-week between doses uh, for the people who are over 50. Make sure you take your second dose as soon as you can. Really, really important to get that additional protection. Now, in terms of the 21st of June, uh, the Prime Minister will be saying more of that on that by the end of this month. And of course, uh, by the 14th of June, as we have done with the previous steps, whether it's step one, two or three, mm. uh, we will obviously, uh, seven days out, as the premise has done, hold a press conference, show the data, share the data, I should say, with the nation. Uh, and uh, I would say we are cautiously optimistic is probably the best way to describe it to your listeners. 
And of course, you talk about the second dose being really crucial in combating variants, particularly the one as identified in India. But there are lots of young people who still haven't had the first dose. Is there going to be now a push for young people, especially when we've seen evidence that young people in India in particular have been uh, very severely affected by coronavirus and that variant? Should there now not be a push for younger people to be getting vaccinated? So the success of our vaccination programme, Anila, you I'm sure will recognise, is because we focused on both scale, large scale vaccination. Um, We touched, I think our record was 27 jabs a second, as well as targeted, targeted towards those who are most vulnerable to severe infection, hospitalisation, and sadly some death, following the Joint Committee on Vaccination Immunisations Advice, either the experts who who advise us on how we should be targeting. Now, Mm -hmm. their advice is to continue at speed going down the age cohorts. Uh, So, you know, we're now uh, at the age of uh, 32, where you can get your uh, vaccination. Mm -hmm. We'll soon move below that. And I'm confident that we will hit our target of offering the first dose of vaccine to anyone over the age of 18 by the end of July. So we're moving at pace. The limiting factor, Anila, is the vaccine supply. Yes, and I I want to ask you about that. I mean, what is the supply looking like? Because we've seen there were less vaccines coming in. We've seen the situation in India and, uh, and the fact that, you know, they're obviously in dire need there of vaccines. How strong is the UK's vaccine supply? Well, we were one of the first countries, if not the first, to contract with uh, Pfizer-BioNTech. We were uh, the country that invested in manufacturing of the Oxford-AstraZeneca, both in Oxfordshire and uh, in other parts of the country. We've invested in a vaccine that hasn't yet been approved, but is looking good as well, the Valneva vaccine in Scotland, and of course, Novavax vaccine again, one that is on on the way in uh, uh, Teesside Mm. uh, in the northeast of England. So we've got a lot of uh, vaccines coming through. At the moment, vaccine supply is stable in terms of both the the, the two big vaccines which we have, which is the Pfizer-BioNTech and the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine and and some Moderna as well. Um, And I'm confident that we will hit our target by the uh, end of July target. Uh, I'm, I'm you know, certainly uh, confident that we will meet that target. And then we'll keep going, of course, because we have to make sure that those who get their first dose by then will get their second dose uh, as soon as we can make it available. So I'm confident in our supply lines. We've been, uh, I think, very thorough in our contracting with these companies and working with them uh, to make sure we get that. It's never easy. I'm a chemical engineer by background. I can tell you any manufacturing process uh, has its uh, challenges, uh, especially a, a novel new vaccine. Mm. Uh, and you make sure the safety procedures, the protocols, the batch testing is all in place. Uh, and that has happened. So, you know, we, we've had a, a really, really uh, good uh, uh, outcome, I think, to the uh, manufacturing challenges that we've faced. Absolutely. And I should say, I mean, I should say congratulations, because it has been a phenomenally successful vaccination programme. Um, when do you think that all young people will have received their second dose? Because, of course, now on people's minds is the international travel. We will come to vaccine passports and that discussion too, but very much 
things are opening up and at the moment young people who haven't even had the first dose may be worried and thinking, you know, when will we have the second, especially when the data shows that it is those two jabs that uh, cause the efficacy rate to be higher against variants? You know, absolutely. It's worth just remembering that obviously uh, young people uh, who needed the protection. So uh, if you remember category six in phase one uh, was about seven million people within that were people with underlying health conditions Mm. between the ages of 16 all the way up to 64. Uh, And of course, the category one of phase one was uh, residents of uh, elderly residents of care homes, but also those who look after them. So social care workers and healthcare frontline workers. Uh, So they've all been protected in phase one. Um, Now, as we head towards that July target and offering everybody over the age of 18 the first dose, once we hit that, we will be able to see where our supplies are uh, uh, then to see where where we can then offer the second dose um, for them to be able to um, have both the protection of both doses. And it'll probably be predominantly Pfizer and Moderna because uh, that is the preferred uh, vaccine by the JCVI uh, for the younger people. Uh, and um, I'm confident we'll be able to uh, do that as well. At the moment that the uh, dosing interval we've brought down to eight weeks between doses for the over 50s and if supply allows then we'll we'll do the same uh, for for people between the ages of 18 and above uh you know 18 to to, to uh, 30 um but, do, uh, do you think in that case people who are between 18 and 30 shouldn't be traveling abroad at the moment then if they haven't had their vaccine you should really only be traveling abroad uh, if uh, you're traveling to countries on the green uh, list now they are you know very few countries like Portugal and uh, Israel and uh, that is limited uh, at the moment but we review that every three weeks the amberless countries where the bulk of the countries are on that and the uh, team the biosecurity team review the variants in those countries and the level of infection and vaccination uh, the amount of vaccination in those countries and some sadly had to be moved to obviously the red list we've got 43 countries on the red list mm. nobody should be traveling to those countries unless it is essential uh, uh travel uh for amber or red list countries and of course our you know, uk nationals coming back from those countries have to take three tests one pre-departure one after two days one after eight days and quarantine whether in hotels or at home for 10 days um, so in terms of travel, that is my, my very strong advice is only green list countries. And we'll continue to review that. Look, this is not a normal year. Uh, this is a, a, a year when you have to not only look at the, home, you know, the the foreign office advice on travel, but also on those host countries uh, mm-hmm. advice, because that's also changing uh, uh, all the time. Uh, so just be careful and, and be sensible. And I think we're moving to a stage where rather than having sort of, you know, um, vaccine instructions from the government by diktat or, or, or you know, how you deal with the COVID virus by diktat to actually being sensible and using common sense. And I think that's the right approach. And people are, are on the whole, incredibly compliant. I said it in my interview with the Mail on Sunday, uh, you know, that Dunkirk spirit that led us to the most successful vaccination program in history, I also think is there for people and, and their communities and their families where they're thinking, you know what, of course, I still have to be careful, you know, hands, face, space, uh, wash your hands constantly, be careful uh, when you see loved ones, 
Uh, but you know, just, just be sensible. That, that's the important thing. And exercise the same common sense when it comes to travel. Talking of vaccine supplies and the age groups, we are moving towards these booster jabs, aren't we? What can you tell us about the booster jabs? Yes, so a couple of things. One, uh, we have just begun and the Secretary of State for Health, Matt Hancock, announced uh, that we are investing £19 million in testing the different vaccines for a single shot boost to those uh, who have vaccinated. We began vaccinating, if you recall, on the 8th of December with the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine mm. uh, for you know, frontline healthcare workers, social care workers, the over 80s, the over 75s, the over 70s, and the clinically extremely vulnerable. And of course, we also used the Pfizer, the uh, uh, AstraZeneca-Oxford vaccine on the 4th of January. So uh, when the clinicians think, and that question is still uh, to be answered, that those early people who we vaccinated, the most vulnerable, need to be boosted, um, then we should be ready for that. And that's my planning. That's what I do with the team. So COVBOOST is the clinical trials to test all the different vaccines, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna, CureVac, and of course, uh, Valneva, Novavax, and so on. Uh, But at the same time, we're also making sure that we have the supply side, the supply of the vaccines, Mm. to give Chris Whitty, the chief medical officer, as much optionality, as many options as possible when we need to go. But we'll be ready. The NHS uh, uh, is already making plans to be ready from September, if we need to go to September, or maybe October, November, or, or early in the new year. But we'll be ready from September to deploy. And then, of course, how does that dovetail with the flu season, we have to be really careful mm. and have a really big ambition to protect people um, uh, from flu as well, because we've had a relatively mild, uh, uh, you know, we've been unscathed by flu because we've had yes. such a severe lockdown mm. uh, from December onwards. We need to be as sort of, you know, conscious of the fact that we could have a flu season uh, that is you know, larger than, than, than normal and we're making plans for that as well. Right, okay. And also in those trials is the mixing, looking at the mixing of vaccines too. How likely is that looking then? So that's a separate uh, clinical trial. That's the mix and match clinical study where we're looking at, at uh, uh, so mixing uh, you know, Pfizer with, with AstraZeneca and so on. So one jab Pfizer, one jab AstraZeneca and then uh, the other way around and of course uh, other vaccines. That will report by the end of the summer. Uh, so it will not really... Uh, it, um, impact our current deployment for this, right. for this vaccination program, but it is an important part of, of the sort of overall protection for the world. You know, not only are we gifting you know hundreds of millions of vaccines through the Oxford team and the AstraZeneca team. I think we're at 450 million now that have gone to low and uh, middle income countries. Mm. Uh, Predominantly AstraZeneca Oxford, uh, the bulk of that is AstraZeneca Oxford, but also the mix and match will allow obviously us much greater uh, flexibility uh, around the world to protect people as quickly as we can, as obviously manufacturing volumes begin to increase from all the manufacturers. Right. And we did ask our listeners to send in some questions. So I'm going to put some of those questions to you. Lee's message saying you've gone back on your thoughts of vaccine passports for domestic use and wants to know why. And he says he believes they're discriminatory, particularly against young people who are at the back of the vaccine queue. 
Lee, thank you for your question. We haven't. So what we've done is because we could see that uh, a number of countries around the world were going to be uh, making it a requirement that you have to have some sort of vaccine certification. In the way, by the way, people have to with the yellow fever uh, vaccine uh, passport, vaccine certificate, when they travel to different parts of the world that require it. We decided to operationalize and allow people to be able to see their vaccination history on their phone using the NHS app or physically by requesting a, a letter to be sent to them with their vaccine history. So if they need to travel and there's a condition of travel, then they would do that. So that's for international travel. Mm. Now, your question domestically, yes. uh, still reviewing, we're looking at the, um, the you know, both you know, asking people the question by consulting with stakeholders. Why? Because we can't have a system, and that's where we have to answer the really hard to answer questions that is discriminatory in any way, uh, or uh, you know, the ethical questions around that have to be addressed, which is why the Prime Minister, Lee, asked Michael Gove to review all this and then report on it before the 21st of June. Why? Because it would be remiss of us, Lee, uh, if there is technology that can be utilised to open up the more challenging parts of our, our economy. Say, for example, um, you know, large-scale um, mass participation events in sports or entertainment, instead of opening up, up Wembley to 20% or 25% uh, of people who can attend, imagine if you can use technology to open up to 100%. So it would only be right for us to, to at least look at all this stuff, because I think otherwise... I'd be coming on your show, uh, Anila, and you'd be saying to me, but we've seen this technology work elsewhere in the world. Why didn't you think of it, Minister? So that is exactly why we're reviewing this. I think I think some of the concerns and we've... Also the ethical questions and mm. the important questions around, you know, what if people can't get vaccinated? Um, uh, that then, you know, what do you do about the, those people? So it'll probably be a combination, not just of vaccine certification, but testing, as we've seen with a different... You know, really wonderful events in Liverpool and at the FA Cup uh, final and in, in now in, in, in the Premiership uh, games where people have been able to go to games if they take a, a pre-game test and then take a test after the game. All that work is, is, is taking place and it would be irresponsible if we didn't look at all this stuff to see you know, how we open up the more challenging parts of the economy. I guess people are concerned that... They- with the vaccines and combating COVID, they want a sense of returning back to normality and having to perhaps go down the pub and show your vaccine certificate on your NHS app isn't really returning to that sense of normality. And is there that possibility that after June the 21st to go to a restaurant or a pub or to go shopping, you may have to show that vaccine passport or certificate? I hope you've all enjoyed going uh, both to a pub garden when we were at, at step two and now step three, as of the 17th of this month, been able to go to a pub uh, indoors or a restaurant indoors, as I have done, uh, and I hope you've done as well, Anila and Lee, and you haven't needed to show any certificate at all. And there was lots of sort of, I think, um, um, you know, speculation that, that we were going to introduce that. And, and absolutely, that's not the direction of travel. It's not about... Uh, you know, having a, 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 a you have to sort of uh, demonstrate that you've had a vaccine before you can enter a, a pub because, as I said, those those sort of ethical discriminatory um, uh, questions 
are things that we have to address. You can't, you know, simply just say, oh, well, you know, we haven't really thought these things through. Um, but if, you know, we can open up a mass participation event, large-scale events, by using the technology of, you know, rapid testing as well as vaccination, then it's only right that we look at it. But, as again, I, I repeat again, when we do look at that, we have to make sure whatever system we introduce cannot be discriminatory and has to have allowances for people who can't, uh, for all sorts of reasons, be vaccinated. And uh, one final question. Katie's called in this morning wanting to ask, what's the plans for the government to ensure vaccines are available for all adults as promised? She says currently people without NHS numbers and those with NHS numbers who aren't registered with a UK GP are being turned away when they try and book an appointment to get vaccinated. And she says it's a serious issue. Katie, I'm very happy after this call if you can, through your producers, Anila, send me the details because they sh- you shouldn't need that. We, we, we did a lot of early planning on this because we've been vaccinating uh, the homeless community and I went to look at how that was going with second doses uh, earlier this, this week, in fact. Um, it's really important that people have access, undocumented migrants have access to the vaccination programme. I've paid a lot of attention in this area, part of the uptake strategy that I launched on the 13th of February uh, on this. Uh, so you don't need and should not need that. And um, you know, very happy to take that on board and, and, and look at the detail. Now, it's always easier in when you're having this massive deployment infrastructure where we are able to do, as I said, you know, coming up to a million doses a day, you know, we have that capacity. We don't have the, the, the vaccine uh, uh, supply. Right. That's our limiting factor. Mm-hmm. But it's always easier to register with, with your GP and have that NHS number because it's, the, the process is much smoother. Uh, but, but for those who don't have an NHS number, they should not be precluded from getting a vaccine. Minister Zahawi, it's been excellent to speak to you this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Tune in every Sunday, 10am to 12 noon, for Anila Dhani on Sunday, giving the British-Asian community a voice on the matters of the day. You are tuned to the Love Lounge with the Love Doctor. It's a very special time right now. It is time to get flirty at 830 all singles are you ready to get flirty at 8 30 message the studio now and let the love doctor of sunrise help you find love let's welcome my single person it is hodge from birmingham hi hodge how you doing Hi, Amit. I'm fine. Thank you. you? Very well. Thank you so much for asking. I'm very good indeed. And I'm so excited to have you here. I have to say, um, I say uh, you said to me you're feeling a little bit nervous. I'm going to try and put you at ease a little bit. Yeah, I want you to rub your earlobes and go, woosa, woosa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> feeling better? Yeah, okay, ah, lovely, lovely. Okay, Hodge, uh, right. As you know, uh, this is a very harmless process. So I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about yourself. And if we um, put you out there, then hopefully someone out there might hear you and think, oh, that sounds like a lovely person. I'd love to take them out on a date. Uh, that is the idea. Are you up for it? Yep. Yeah, sure. No problem. <laughs> All right, let's do it. First question for you, uh, Hodge, is uh, okay. tell us a little bit about a kind, the kind of person who would be your soulmate. Oh, God, now you're asking. The, <laughs> the list is endless. 
<laughs> that could be part um, of the problem. We may need to narrow it down a little. Okay, someone who's reliable, responsible, and just caring and not afraid to show it. I think that's more, um, and ambitious as well. Yeah, well, I think um, ambition is. Mm. It's an underestimated quality, isn't it? Yes, I, I think so. So I'm quite ambitious and I would like to be with someone who's just as equally ambitious. Nice. Um, I like yeah. that. Lovely. Okay, cool. So if you're caring, ambitious, outgoing, then you could be the man for Hajj, potentially. So that's the first thing that I wanted to ask you. The second thing is I want you to tell us one fun, quirky thing about yourself. I mean, if you struggle to answer this, like, what would you do? Like an unusual thing that maybe you've always wanted to do you haven't done yet, like skydiving or something like that. What would you do? Um... Strangely enough, I want to do water skiing. Nice! Yeah, I'm not a very good swimmer, that's what's putting me off, but it's always wondered what it would actually feel like just jetting behind like a boat or something. So that's definitely something I want to try. Uh, Do you know what? Mm -hmm. If it helps at all, right? So I tried this on my honeymoon. I'm not a very strong swimmer. And I gave up after about three seconds when I realised how (laughs) difficult it was going to be. And we were doing it in very choppy waters as well. So we decided, okay, you know what? I'll I'll give it a miss. Uh, and maybe try at some point in the future but um, but yes I don't blame you for wanting to try I ended up doing parasailing in the end and that was amazing I would yeah definitely I've do... done paragliding oh I would do that I would happily do that again so you're a, bit, <laughs> you're a bit of an adventure hound I would say then yeah not too much just baby steps just a little bit at a time little definitely. bit at yeah. a time I love it I love it okay cool what would you what would you cook like let's say you met someone and they were your ideal person, right? You wanted to make a good impression on a first date. What would you cook the the your oh, date God. on a first date? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm I'm not the biggest cook. I can cook, but I'm not very Okay. I'll probably make I don't know if that's really basic, but I'll probably make nachos. <laughs> no. Like uh, yeah. With cheese and jalapenos on and the salsa sauce. I'll probably do that as a snack. Then I'd probably make for a main. Oh God, now you've got me. Just don't know. Um, I'm thinking of a Chinese because I'm quite good at making Chinese from scratch. <laughs> this um, reminds me of that TV oh. show Dinner Day, right? Where you have to like yeah, cook those. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I'll probably just get a dessert, like a cheesecake or something like that. Nice. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's not too bad. Yeah. That's not too bad at all. Chinese <laughs> cheesecake and nachos. That's a very unusual mix, like three <laughs> cuisines in one. <laughs> that's <laughs> No, that's, that's not bad. So basically what you're trying to say is you're looking you for someone. <laughs> yeah, look, you're looking for someone basically who's going to be the cook of the family, right? Basically, that's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> a man who can cook, right? There we go. Um, all right. Uh, one last question for you, okay? If you mm-hmm. had a choice and um, on the date you um, get given something by your prospective date. Now, would you pres- prefer to receive chocolates or flowers? It's going to have to be chocolates. You, you can't eat flowers. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> that is, I mean, that's that's pretty much common sense, right? I mean, I just had a mental image of you eating flowers there. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, okay, chocolates it is. So to all the gentlemen out there listening in right now, this is Hard from Birmingham. Of course, I actually missed one of the most important questions to ask you as well. Now, without revealing your own age, what is the kind of age range of the person you're looking for? 
Um, I'm going to say between 35 and 45. All right, so we're looking for a man sort of based in the Midlands between 35 and 45 for this lovely, lovely, brave young lady called Hodge who decided to get flirty at 8.30 with us here on the UK's biggest Asian mix with the Love, Love, Love Doctor on the Love Lounge. You are now famous, Hodge. How does that feel? Yeah, good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> she said extremely nervously, oh, God, what have I let myself in for? Oh, no. my God, oh, my God. <laughs> no, no, not at all, not at all. But to any of the, the, the gentlemen, if there are any gentlemen left in this world out there, get in touch. Well, I'll put you in touch with Hajj, and you never know what could happen, right? You've just got to take a chance. Take that chance and see what happens. Listen, Hajj, I wanted to say thank you for being such a good sport. You are an awesome, awesome person for taking part. Did you have fun? I did, to be honest. It wasn't as nervous and nerve-wracking as I thought. Exactly, right? Is this the the equivalent, the radio equivalent of you doing water skiing? Yeah. Yeah? Definitely. (laughs) Yes. Strange question, I know, but yes. Take a leap of faith. Exactly, that's what it is. Uh, I wanted to say thank you so much for taking part. Listen, stay on the line with me. Don't go anywhere. But in the meantime, though, for each and every one of you out there listening in here, here onto the Love Lounge, that's how it's done if you're single if you're a single person looking and hoping to be in a relationship and you'd love for the help love doctor to help you just drop me a whatsapp and i'll take care of you on a sunday evening all right and get flirty at 8 13 it is that time for the couples challenge it's time for the couples game how well do you know your partner that's right it is time for the couples challenge and i have the amazing prash and sneha from harrow on the phone how are you guys doing Hey, I'm here. Excited and happy and relaxed all in one. Yes, indeed. I'm so glad. Glad to hear that as well. Uh, Snail, I heard you've just got home and you're a little bit tired, but you know what? You fought through the pain. You decided to, you know, come on and be like a soldier and a trooper and just join in the couple's challenge. Yeah, I've just been teaching Reiki all day, so I'm a little tired, so I'm going to do this. Oh, no, don't say that. Come on, Reiki Reiki is supposed to energise you. It's supposed to empower you. (laughs) (laughs) It normally does, but it's Sunday night, I guess. No, no, we're we're all human. We need a bit of a rest now and again. But listen, I'm so glad you guys are here. We're going to keep it really simple, really easy for you. So, you know the rules, and if you don't by now, I'll just quickly let you know that how this works is that uh, what we're going to do is one of you will end up leaving the room and the other person will stay with me and that person I will ask five questions about themselves then we'll get the other person back and see if they can guess their partner's five answers does that make sense yes it does so who's going to be the brave one to leave the room I'm guessing it's going to be Prash yeah how do you feel about that Prash are you are you ready for this to try and like figure out how well you actually know your wife I am. Yes, I'm ready to do that. And I accept I make mistakes because I'm always learning. <laughs> before, yeah. before we do that bit, though, you know what? Just tell everyone a little bit about yourselves. How you guys met, how long you've been together, what you both do as well. Go on, shout yourselves out. Oh, man, that's so nice. Well, we met at a philosophical talk in London on ancient Indian philosophy. And um, we just hit it off there. It was... We just hit it off as friends, and then we were friends for the longest time. We are still friends for the longest time. But along the way, friendship turned to romance, and romance led to marriage. Love is in the air. (laughs) But here we are, you know. um, It's been seven years. Yeah, seven years. All right, the the ultimate question, who made the first move? <laughs> oh, I it was the lady. Been a monk. If I hadn't, I would have just left myself to be a monk. 
<laughs> you'd, you'd be like Jay Shetty, right? You know, the the monk who sold his Ferrari. No, that's the Robin Sharma, the monk who sold his Ferrari. Uh, I, uh, some kind of Jay Shetty, I would have been something like that. Well, like, you know, <laughs> hey... You- you know, I've got my own podcast too, so um, I may as well have been. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, right? Well, listen, I'm glad you're both here. So whenever you're ready, Prash, if you leave the room and I will ask Sneha those five all-important questions. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I'm a bit scared, but go on. <laughs> oh, no, honestly, so hard. you got the easy bit. What are you scared about? It's Prash who's going to be... It's Prash who's going to be on the couch tonight. God. Uh, no, right, okay. Is he out of the room and he cannot hear you, right? Yeah. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, cool. So five very simple questions. Uh, and just answer as honestly as you can. So question number one to you, Sneha. Uh, tell me your favorite naughty snack. Like your oh, naughty God, go-to I snack. Of naughty things. What's uh, like your go-to naughty snack? You know when you just had one of those days and you just want to... You know me, for me, it's that vegan topic I've discovered, right? You know that vegan topic chocolate yeah, bar. Yeah, I loved it, by the way. It's really lovely. Oh. Um, that is going to be responsible for me not losing any weight before I do the marathon. But anyway, <laughs> what's what's your one? Oh, gosh. I would say... What do I little munch on? I think cashews. You know what? That's a really good one. I had some cashews today and they're just so nice, aren't they? Like, they're nature's little treats. They're just so tasty. Um, anyway, <laughs> there's me just <laughs> wapsing racks right about uh, cashews. Anyway, question number two. Uh, now, easy one for you. Would you rather a night in with a movie or paint the town red? Oh, definitely. As you can tell, right? It's a night in. <laughs> <laughs> I made one easy question for you guys just to give Prash a bit of a chance of get, at least getting one out yeah, of five. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number three. Um, you got to tell me one thing that's on at the top or near the top of your bucket list, something you've never done before that you've always wanted to do. I would love to go to Machu Picchu. Oh, what a good one. I love that. I really want to go as well at some point in the future. Maybe we could go as a, like, do a couples thing and go. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'm soon, right? I don't know if I'd be able to walk it all by the time we go. We'll be all fogies by then. Uh, But all right, cool. Question number four. The the one place in the world you've yet to go to, I suppose this kind of ties in with your previous question as well. Okay, let's let's, let's rephrase this one, okay? We're going to go, if there's one other place in the world that you've never been to except Machu Picchu that you wish you could go to, where would it be? Uh, Maldives. Oh, nice. That's, I have I to know. say. I know. It's really cliche, but I actually haven't been to the Maldives. Oh, do you know what? That's on my list as well. I have to say there's something. That is one place I definitely would love to go to as well. Um, right. Okay. Last but not least. Okay. Question number five. See, we got there pretty quickly. Um, your favorite or one of your favorite movies of all time. Like you could watch it anytime. If you saw it on TV, it came on, you'd be like, and it's Bollywood, Hollywood or otherwise. There's two, actually. What was the three? Tell me them, tell me them, because, you know, we'll give Prash a bit of a chance. Go for it. Okay, so Eat, Pray, Love. Okay. Uh, Pretty Woman. (laughs) Nice. I have to be there, right? And Shawshank Redemption. Oh, I love it. That's at the top of my list as well. I have to say, one of the best films ever made. So you put Eat, Eat, Pray, Love, Pretty Woman. I the top out of the three because it gives you a lot of hope, doesn't it? It's a very hopeful film. Yeah, no, it is. It's such a good movie. Such a good movie. If if anyone listening to this has never seen Shawshank Redemption, I don't care who you are, what you're doing right now, just go watch that movie. You will not regret it. It's such 
it is storytelling at its absolute best isn't it uh, but there you go see snare that was quite harmless wasn't it now is the hard bit for Prash so bring him back in go on bring him back in and while he comes back right she's answered her five questions and if you ever want to take part in the couples challenge this is how easy it is how simple you can always whatsapp me during the show 0795 700 272 and take part it is very very simple all right Prash are you there Yo! All righty, come a bit closer. Come a bit closer. Come yeah. on. He's there. I'm right? here closer. I'm closer. <laughs> By the way, ladies closer and gentlemen, than I've ever been before. Yeah. Prash has got an incredible, like you know, kind of those like gruff singing voice. Though he's incredible. We get we get a few if you get a few notes off you in a minute. All right. So what we're going to uh, do, Prash, is you're now going to try and guess the five uh, questions and what answers Sneha gave. All right. So are you ready for this? I am, yes, I am. All right, don't, don't well. worry, don't worry. I think you've got this. I think you're going to get at least three or four, right? So um, first question I asked the Sneha, I said, what's your favourite go-to naughty snack? What do you think she said? Before I do that, can I just quickly ask you one practical question? Of course. If I get, le- if I get less than three, can I stay at your house tonight? <laughs> yes. Yes, you're more than welcome. In fact, you can sleep in the crate with Monty. <laughs> I was hoping I could stay in your studio room upstairs with the uh, really nice thing and a radio vegan larder. Is that yeah, okay? that's all right. That's absolutely fine. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, right. First question. Sarah's favorite movie. Uh, no, uh, favorite, favorite uh, go-to snack. Oh, man. Cashew nuts uh, definitely is probably right up there as the favorite. Or chocolate. All right. Chocolate is not a snack. It's a treat. So oh, yeah. snack, I would say, is cashews. All right, cool. No worries. That's quite... We'll t- reveal the answers at the end, all right? So question number two. Uh, I asked Neha, I said, would you rather a night in with a movie or paint the town red? What do you think she said? Uh, for the snake that I know and love, uh, it would be a night in with a movie. Definitely. All right, cool. Question number three. Let's see what you think about this one. This is where it gets a tiny bit harder, all right? Uh, I asked Sneha to name one thing that's on her bucket list, or like one thing that's either at the top or very near the top at her bucket list. On her bucket list, should I say? On her bucket list. I think she would have me talk less. Um... <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> She would have me not do my singing exercises in an open lounge downstairs like me, 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 You might be surprised to find... You might be surprised to find it didn't involve you. I think she'd also have me do less Sadhguru impersonations and Eddie Murphy impersonations and Chinese accents when I... Oh, yeah. The list goes on. The list goes on. But what was the question again on me? Uh, no, no, that's all right. It's a, say one thing that was on Sneha's bucket list. It could be the top one or very near the top. On her bucket list is uh, definitely travel. And travel would be to Hawaii or Maldives. One oh. of the two. All right. Okay, cool. No worries. No worries. Um, now, now the, the, the next question kind of related a little bit anyway to her previous answer. So I asked a question for the one place in the world that she's yet to go to uh, that she would love to visit. I would say because it's on her bucket list, it's, uh, you know, she has, she doesn't have many material desires and it's one of the things I love about her. She's just such a happy, spiritually minded and heart-centered person. Um, I'm super lucky actually that I, you know, my, I have somebody who's not that materially attached and happy with spiritual life and, you know, it's making me the same. I, I've always been that way a little bit. So, 
I would say that, you know, her few desires, she'd love to be out in Maldives or Hawaii. One of the two. Nice. Okay, cool. No worries. Probably the Maldives because we've been to Hawaii, but yeah, either or. Beautiful. Okay, cool. That was question number four. So we're down to the last one. Um, question five. Favorite, her favorite movie of all time. Now, we're going to help you on this because she actually gave three. So I'm only going to uh, yeah. ask you for one. And if you get, obviously, that means you've got one in three chance of getting it right. Okay, so I'll just ask her, what was her favorite movie of all time? She gave three options. Uh, what do you think she said? Yeah, um, of all time. If it's an English movie and she mainly yeah, watches... Bollywood or Hollywood, movie. it could have been anything at all, so yeah. Probably going to be Hollywood. Um, if it's a Hollywood main film, uh, I would have to say... Oh, God. Maybe Eat, Pray, Love, maybe, I would say. Okay. I think there's a bunch that she loves. She loves comedy, but I'm going to say Eat, Pray, Love... Yeah, coming to America is probably, but it's not one of her favorite favorites. Yeah, like one she cherishes, probably eat, pray, love. Probably. All right. Okay, cool. No worries, right? So you've answered all five questions, Price. You'll be happy to know. You can relax just a little bit, but yeah. I'm going to keep you. I'm just give me a second to top up all these scores. Hold on. It's, it's quite complicated math taking place right now. It's uh, <laughs> a lot of work I need to do. Hang on a minute. You know, this computational yeah. stuff in my head takes a long time. All right. Yeah. I've got the I've got the number. So drum roll for you my friend you scored how well do you think you did by the way I'd like to think I got four I'd like to think I got four I mean I'd like to think I know yeah I'd like to think I got four out of five well you scored my friend four out of five Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. yeah yes. come, on. come on you did really well <laughs> are you are you oh, impressed, Naha? Awesome. Are you impressed? I'm impressed. I that, think he was cheating, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably was. I, pro- I reckon he probably was. All right, let's just Thanks, keep... guys. I appreciate your show. <laughs> really, thank you. <laughs> Look, let's just quickly tell you what you what you got right and what you got wrong. So, question one, cashews all the way. Uh, question two, a night in or movie... Oh, sorry, night in or uh, um, Big Pound Paint the Town. And it was, of course, a night in. You got that one right. Easy peasy. The one question you did get wrong that she mentioned about her bucket list was she said Machu Picchu Blimey, nah. nice and then of okay. course in the, the place in the world Maldives definitely 100% and favourite movie out of the three she, she did say Eat Pray Love and the other two were Pretty Woman and Shawshank Redemption that's a day oh wow wow this is great we're going to make sure you hit the other two then thank you for that that's a good insight that is yeah definitely well listen it has been an absolute pleasure having you both on the couples challenge here on the UK's yeah. biggest Asian mix you have been absolute superstars thank you thank you Amit Catch our love guru, Amit Soda, between 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. every Sunday for that chill-out zone.